Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Uh, my name's Jake. If I uh, have not got a chance to introduce myself or to meet you, uh, normally I'm in a better mood, but today I am a little under the weather. And so uh, I have been able to avoid the bug for a little while, but it finally hit me this weekend. And so I will do my best, but if I cough into the microphone, uh, please don't take that personally. Uh, today we are uh, we're going back to school. We're in week three of what we're calling our Discover class, not a series, a class. On your chair when you walked in, there was a study guide that was there for you. I'd encourage you to grab this and follow along. We don't normally have fill-ins on a Sunday morning. Uh, if you're watching this back online, you can find that outline, that uh, study guide um, under the message description. Uh, to be clear, here's what we're walking through. This is our brand new on-ramp process. Uh, basically, this will be an ongoing class from this period forward. It'll happen every Sunday. Uh, not this one in particular. There'll be four stages of it, as there has been four stages of this on Sunday morning. Uh, it's basically a backstage class to, um, to help uh, those who are interested to explore kind of the back roads of this church in hopes that they would join us on the journey. Now, the obvious question is why? Why would we take, uh, you know, four weeks, four Sundays to talk about this here in this environment? And the reason we're doing that is this, is that about 85% of us who are here now were not here at the original launch. We weren't there and able to sit in on those foundational conversations when we were talking about mission and vision. Um, and so the reason we're going through this now as a church is so that we can all be on the same page. We can all be rowing in the same direction, all shooting at the same target. Now, for some of you who've been here since the beginning, uh, you might notice that pieces, points, even stories of what I will be sharing will sound familiar, and that's because you have heard it before. That's the idea. What we want to be remembered, we repeat. Um, and so you'll hear me repeat a handful of things I've said in the past because it's become a core part of our church. Uh, the benefit, the idea, the payoff of all of this is that when we're all done with this, we will all have a, a big picture understanding, a clear perspective of what this church is and the beautiful work God is doing right here. And so let me give you an overview. It's four weeks, four questions. Four weeks, four questions. Why, what, how, and who? Why, what, how, and who? Uh, first week, we talked about why. Why does Arbor exist? Bottom line answer to that is life change. Our lives have been changed. We desire for others to experience the same life-changing grace that we received from Christ. So why do we do this? Why do we get out of bed? Why does this church exist? Life change. What are we about? What is our purpose? Simple. It's written in the lobby so that we never forget that we are here to make disciples together. That is the purpose of this church. Making disciples is our purpose. Our preference is that we would do it together. Today what we're going to do is we're going to walk through the, the how do we accomplish that, the strategy behind we go, how we go about making disciples, and then we'll end it all off next week on the who accomplishes our purpose. So let's talk how right now. How do we accomplish our purpose? Making disciples together. Let me give you a warning. This is going to be very nuts and bolts today. 
Details, details, details. Uh, some of you might ask, where is the passage? Why didn't I hear a whole lot about Jesus? I want to remind you, this is a class. This is not a sermon or a message that is normally given on a Sunday morning. This is a class. So therefore, we're going to go into the details. We're going to dig, especially today, out of all the days that we are going to be going through this class, we're going to lift underneath the hood and we're going to look in. And some of you are like, I love details, right? This is going to be great. Some of you are going to love it. Some of you will not, and that's totally okay. But I do know this, is that when we all end on this, we will be very clear in how we go about accomplishing our purpose for this church. So we do it in three ways. Three ways, three means, three methods. And of course, we're obviously arbor, so we had to put it together in tree form. And so here's your tree form to illustrate how we go about fulfilling our purpose. You have the basic trunk, branches, and the fruit. The trunk is our Sunday mornings. It's what we're doing right here. It's where we gather together at the trunk and we receive the life-giving water of Jesus through (coughs) our roots. That's Sunday mornings. It's exactly what we're walking through right here. What we have next is we have branches. We branch out from here, from the trunk, into groups. Groups is where we grow. Key word there, grow together to maturity. That's the idea. From there, we move into the top uh, of, the, of the, you know, the, the tree, if you will, uh, to where we produce healthy, and I love this word, foliage, right? We are an outreach. This is our outreach. This is the fruit that we produce, that we desire to help the hurting when it comes to helping our neighbors, both near and far. We want to take it from roots to fruit. That's our idea, and our um, ways we go about that is Sundays, groups, outreach. Sundays, groups, outreach. If you ask us what we do as a church, what is the programmatic elements that we have, it is Sundays, groups, and outreach. So many people will come and they will offer ideas. How come you guys don't have this like that other church? Or why don't you think about doing this? We put everything through the filter of Sundays, groups, and outreach. We pour all of our eggs into that basket, those baskets, because we think if we do those well, rather than trying to do everything, then we will find more success in reaching people for the gospel of Christ. And so that's what we do as a church. The way we go about accomplishing making disciples together is through Sundays, groups, and outreach. And so let's talk about those. Let's break those down. Sundays, what we're doing right here, the goal of this is encountering Jesus together. On a Sunday morning, when push comes to shove, we want to encounter Jesus together. King David said this. He said, here's the one thing I crave Um, from God. The one thing I seek above all else, I want the the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. Gosh, barely made it through that. That's what David thinks. It is a delight to be in God's house. We consider this to be God's house. So what do we do here? You've seen the elements. We're doing them right now. First one is teaching. Standing up here, communicating God's truth to you. The way we tackle that here at this church uh, is we, when it comes to messages, sermons, if you will, 
we want them to be topically titled, but expositorily delivered. What that means is this, is that we will come up with a title or a subject or an idea that we're talking about. Then we will pull passages in their context and then read and go through those as often as possible. What we don't want to do is jump around the Bible and make it say what we want to say. It's important that you take scripture in context. That's why we do it expository. So the benefits of this approach, because some people think, you know, why don't you just read through books of the Bible? Why don't we just go through the book of John and then let's hit James and something like that? That's very popular. People do that. And it's fine, but there are benefits the other, the other direction. You get a holistic um, approach, a holistic view of the Bible when you do it through topics, when you start with topics. You get a holistic view of who Jesus is. What you're able to do is you're able to address the needs of your church when you need to address the needs of your church. Friends, Jesus did not walk through books of the Bible, nor did Paul. What Paul did is he addressed the needs of his church. And Jesus went along and pointed at things and made illustrations based upon the kingdom of God as he moved along. We do the same thing. Uh, it allows us the ability to be able to pivot and to move. Um, but understand, we're not walking in this half-hazardly thinking, oh, let's just splatter paint on the wall and choose where we want to go in the Bible. No, it's very systematic. Uh, I, I pr trust me, we plan out over a year in advance on where we want to go when it comes to the church, and we actually do it in a big picture of like, here's what we want to tackle in the next five years to make sure we have a big understanding of what God wants to say. I'd rather walk into a situation with a plan and deter from that plan if the Holy Spirit leads rather than just walking in and figuring it out as we go. So that's what happens on a Sunday morning. Some of the essential elements when it comes to messages and teaching are this. Uh, first and foremost, Jesus is centric. Jesus will always be highlighted. Pay attention, almost every message falls back to Jesus because he's the core, the root. He is our Messiah. Secondly, when it comes to the messages, we want them to be engaging, to be accessible um, to where we're at here today. That's why I tell stories. Um, that's why I tell way too many stories about myself. It's to try to engage us. What does this mean when it comes to where we live today? And lastly, I think I said it already, scripture must be kept in context. We don't want to pick and choose and cherry pick from the Bible. We want to allow God's word, that's why we do it expositorily, um, to speak for itself, the original message that was in here. The other way we go about teaching is this, is a team approach. I'm not the only one who communicates on a Sunday morning. Uh, and the reason we do that, number one, is to share the load. I don't want to be the one who does that every single Sunday. I love coming up here, but when I started, literally two weeks before I started, uh, I talked to a pastor, we went out to lunch, and he told me this. He said, Sundays come with relentless consistency. And it is so true. And when you have to speak week after week after week and try to be creatively, uh, you know, be creative on a continual basis, it's difficult. And so when you share the load of that, I think what you do is that you allow other people to jump in um, and you get better results. 
so overarching when you go at about it as a team approach. You're able to dwell on a passage for three weeks at a time versus just one week at a time. You have time to sit in prayer about, God, what would it be that you'd like me to say this week um, or three weeks from now? So I think you get better results and probably even bigger than that. I think when you do this in a team approach, you're not building your church based upon anyone's personality. You're basing your church upon principles. When you have a team approach, I think this is beautiful. If someone steps away, the whole church doesn't collapse, right? There's other people on that team to be able to hold it up. We have seen it even in this area. When the senior pastor in that church that's been built on a personality falls all of a sudden, the church falls with it. We don't want that. The church is bigger than any one person unless that person is Jesus Christ. And so we have multiple communicators. I am one of those. Scott is another. Garrett has been another. I am so happy and pleased to tell you today that we are adding someone into the mix for this year. Uh, my former pastor, uh, Mike Howerton, has stepped down from Overlake a few weeks ago and now he will be joining us as a regular communicator here on Sunday mornings, uh, which I think is absolutely wonderful. He'll be here about once a month speaking, uh, and he is a great communicator. You've heard him here before if you've been around a little bit, but he's a good dude. We have lunch, and one lunch, I'm like, what are you doing for the next year? He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, good, I know. And so he's coming in. He's going to join the team, and that'll be great. Um, <laughs> that's teaching on a Sunday morning. Other ways we encounter Jesus on a Sunday morning is through worship. I'll be specific here. Corporate singing. Worship is many things, but corporate singing, it is a privilege to come in on a Sunday morning and to do that. Not everybody has the privilege of coming in and singing praises to Jesus on a regular basis. And so our hope is that when we come in, we would be mindful of who we are worshiping and what we are saying and what we are doing and that we'd be passionate in the process. I think, I'm telling you this, I truly think that Hayden does an amazing job up here. I think he's a great worship leader, truly. Yeah, I agree. What I think as well is as a congregation, I think we can grow in this area when it comes to worship and how we engage Jesus in worship. And so this summer, we are going to spend the entire summer on a series entitled Worship. We're going to take the whole summer from beginning to end, and we're going to focus on what does it mean to be a true worshiper of Jesus Christ. And so I feel like that's an area we could grow in. Um, the elders do too. And so we're going to jump in that direction. Other ways that we go about encountering Jesus on a Sunday morning is through children's ministry. Children's ministry is a value here. It's important. Friends, this goes way beyond a play structure. The play structure is nothing. But what it is, is every game, every toy, everything that you see in those rooms were built to be a tool for what? Relational ministry. If you've helped in there, or you've been a part of it, or you dropped your kids off, those rooms are fun but what those rooms are full of are relational leaders who truly get down to the level of the kids to communicate where they're at. And that's so important, relational ministry. And what we want is we want kids to know that their leader loves God with all their heart and likes them a whole lot. That's what we hope. 
There's benefits for children's ministry on a Sunday. Some people think, well, I'd like to come in here with my kids. And you can do that. That's not, we're not saying you can't do that. But there's benefits. For one, the kids get to hear a message about Jesus on their level, in their language. I think it's beautiful. My son Percy has been coming home, and he's five years old, just turned five this week, and he tells me what he's learning in Sunday school. My wife writes these things down. She loves to, she's been doing it since we were, um, since all of our kids were young, and she writes down the quotes that they say. Here's what my son has said over the last couple weeks. He said, did you know, did you know, guys, that Jesus washed the disciples' dirty feet? And the Lord is the shepherd of the lambs? And that the Lord is going to step on Satan's head? (laughs) I learned this in class. He also said, and I love this, I want to go and tell every person in the world about Jesus, even old people. (laughs) Because they are people too. I love what my son and my daughter is learning in inside of the class, their children's rooms. They learn at their level. It's a benefit for them to be there. I get that it's scary to drop your kids off, but it also benefits us as well. And here, it benefits us as parents because I, you know, I, when you're a parent and you have your kids sitting there, it's difficult at times to be able to concentrate, right? You can give them the device and whatnot, but you're still getting your eye here. And sometimes God won't be able to communicate what he wants to communicate to you that day. So it's a benefit in both ways. And so I think it's a great deal. That's why we invest in it. Um, And we've invested in it so much that, uh, you know, as as you've heard, if you build it, they will come. And they surely have. We have so many kids in this church that we need to expand. And so here's what we've done. We have, um, we have rented other space in the building. This is our current space that we have. To give you a perspective on where we're at in this, this is the room we're in right now, the sanctuary. We have now added two new rooms. These are the new rooms um, that we have here. One of them will be a children's room up on the top. And the next one <coughs> will be a student's room, a long overdue student's room for the students to be able to hang out in. This is the blessing that God has given us. At times, I think this building is a curse to walk past the barbed wire fence and up those crazy skinny hallways with the squeaky stairs. I at first think, oh my gosh, this is so frustrating. But God has allowed us to even expand. And so as of actually last week, we talked to the owners and we are now submitting the plans that we put together, which you just saw on the screen, to the city. I thought naively that we could have done this last summer when we got the rooms, but I did not understand how construction in the real world works. Um, There is a city you must go through and apparently it takes time. Uh, I just wanted to break the walls apart and here we go. Um, And so that's not going to work. So we just submitted the plans to the city and we will, as soon as we get those back and a thumbs up, we're ready to build and move forward and expand the children's room. It'll cause a reorg in the children's ministry and all of a sudden then we'll have a place for students on a Sunday morning as well. So it's going to be great. Next thing about Sundays as well is encountering Jesus through, and I think this one gets overlooked, it's environment. Environment. It's so important I heard this a long time ago, I say it myself in ministry, that a person will not make a spiritual decision until they are socially and environmentally comfortable. It's a true statement. 
They will not make a spiritual decision until they're socially and environmentally comfortable. And as a result, what we try to do is we try to meet that. We try to become the friendliest place on earth. That's it. There's a happiest place on earth. Let's be the friendliest place on earth. I want to be the cheers of the church world, where when someone comes in, everybody knows your name, or at least you're welcomed here. One of the most, like, reoccurring compliments that I get is this, is Jake, you are so attractive and such a pleasure to look at. That could be one of them. But the second one, okay, the second one is this, your church, when you come in here, feels so welcoming. I hear that regularly. There's something different. People seem, they're they're just open. It doesn't seem clickish. And maybe that's not your experience, but man, I sure have heard that over and over again. Either people are lying to me or we've started to create that culture, which I love. That's why we have greeters. That's why we have a parking team. That's why we have coffee that I've never drank because I don't drink coffee, but the only request I had was it's got to be good. And so I hope it's good, but everybody tells me it's good, okay? And so it's good. It's why the lighting is the way that it is. We want people to be able to focus, to feel comfortable. The decor that we have, the reason there's so much wood everywhere is one, our name is Arbor, but two, it is an welcoming environment. It's not sterile. Friends, the plants, it goes all the way down to the plants, and I love this. Every plant in this building in our area is real. There's a reason for that. We want authenticity from the top down to the plants. We want authenticity from the stage when we speak to our conversations inside of the lobby uh, to the plants that we walk by. I don't want anything here to be fake, and so we don't have fake plants. I love that. We cannot force someone to encounter Christ. But we can create an environment that encourages them to do so. And so our goal is to remove any and all obstacles and point people to Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to do the rest. Friends, this is an email that we received two weeks ago. It's an amazing email um, from a first-time guest. Here's what she said. She says, as a first-time guest to Arbor this morning, your church is truly something special. It's the small details throughout that called to my soul to uh, or called my soul to a connection here. From the moment I first turned into the parking lot, I don't know how to describe the authenticity of the people whom I cross paths with today. The guys in the parking lot smiled and waved in true sincerity, welcoming me even before stepping into the church. The lady at the front door was very hospitable and showed me around, walked me upstairs and immediately connected me to somebody that she knew. I met Anna, who leads groups, and she remembered my name after the service had ended. To the lady on stage who shared her story of heartbreak and marriage, thank you. It takes significant amount of courage to put out that level of openness. It was an encouragement to me and to those who are struggling with things most do not discuss. God has a way of speaking to us that is indescribable. Somehow, and from some reason, he called me to visit Arbor today. I hope to find a long-term connection with this church and the people. We're called to love, and I wanted to take time and thank you, the staff, the volunteers, and the attendees for sharing their hearts. It has been over a year since I left the church. 
There is a reason why Arbor will be celebrating its third birthday. Many clearly have and will find hope through this church. It is beyond something special. That's a good email. That's the ones I love to read. And it's encouraging, so encouraging. Friends, when, when people are shopping for a church, what they're typically looking for is what's the communer, communication like? What's the worship like? What's the children's ministry like? Those are the top three. But you want to know what's the most important? You want to know what the most important is? Those are the reasons people come to church. The reason people stay at a church is because of connection. It's because of community. It's because of family. It's because they feel like they're being known and seen in that environment. Friends, that is why we do the three-minute greet on Sunday mornings that so many complain about. And I will, I will take the complaints, but there's intentionality behind it. I know it's hard, but the reason we do it is so that we can have awkward conversations that move into regular conversations that eventually move into connection where people stay. I saw it last Sunday. Two guys walked up, introduced somebody who was new. They said, we met during the three-minute greet, and now we're all going to lunch. I'm like, yes, that's so great. It's why we try to bribe everybody <clears throat> on Sunday mornings when it comes to connection time, we, we have food. We buy food so that you will stay. And you know what? You do stay when we have food. And I appreciate that. And it's so good. And you have conversations. That's why we do what that. That's why we invest the money in that food is so that we could have those connections. Um, the other thing is, I don't know if you noticed this, but we have a long period of time between first service and second service. If you look at most churches, it's a lot shorter. The reason that we do that is that we want to give time to allow for those conversations to happen so that we're not rushing people in and rushing people out for a program. We are bringing people in where they can talk and have community and, and develop family connections. So that's the reason. There's, there's lots of intentionality behind this, but Probably the primary way in which people stick is community. It's connection. And so the way we do that is through groups. That's the second part. We move from the trunk. We branch out into groups. It's the second way in which we are making disciples together, growing people together. We are growing people together in groups. Paul, the apostle, said this. He said, he, speaking of Jesus, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and what? And growing and full of love. We want to move out of the rows of Sunday mornings and into the circles of groups. Out of rows into circles. In the very beginning, probably for the first year and a half to two years, the one thing that we heard as a staff was this. There is a connection problem at this church. A connection problem. We felt like that was the case. People would come in, then they would head out. They didn't feel like they were a part of something. And so we went and we tried to revamp groups. We tried it once, we tried it twice. Finally, we got it nailed down. The reason we got it nailed down is we asked Anna to do it. That's why we got it nailed down. And she nailed groups in a way that I've never seen before in a church. And now, as I said a couple weeks ago, we have more people in groups than attend this church on a Sunday morning. 
That is awesome. That's what church is about right there. I'm so thrilled by that. So what I want to do is I want to invite Anna to come on up, and she'll share a little bit about the design of groups, the rhythm of groups, how to sign up for a groups, um, and then and we'll go from there. So Anna, would you welcome her as she comes to the front? Hi, guys. <coughs> so I get the job of talking about groups this morning, which has been so fun to put them together and, and build them and um, to see them really flourish here. There are a few questions that I often get when people are maybe interested in signing up for a group. So I thought I would just kind of walk you through what that conversation might look like. The first one is, what can I expect? So are these affinity groups? Are we going to go play golf? Is this Bible study? What can I expect? And what the method that we decided is we want to give group leaders lots of freedom to look and see their group and decide this is the direction that we want to take the, the group. Having said that, we have what we describe as a purposeful pathway. That includes seasons of gathering, growing, and going. Um, so for gathering, it's we build trust with each other. So you might show up and maybe you have dinner with each other or summer barbecues or conversation cards. It's just a time to kind of get to know each other and build trust. And then after the growing phase, we move into, excuse me, after gathering, we, we move into growing. Um, and for growing, it's pretty self-explanatory. So we want to grow closer to Jesus, which might include a Bible study. It might include sermon questions. It can look different depending on the group. And lastly, we want all of our groups to kind of turn their eyes outward and find a service project with. And this can look like maybe adopting a family at Christmas time to um, help with those needs, or you could also jump in with some of the outreach things that Arbor is doing and, um, and go with it, go at it that direction. The next question that I often get is, am I signing up for life? Like, tell me, if I sign up for a group, am I going to be stuck with these people forever? Is it going to be like that awkward conversation? Like, it's not you, it's me. Like, I just, uh, um, so a lot of times people are hesitant to jump into groups because they feel stuck. And so we wanted to mitigate that. And with that, we have a trimester system. So when you say yes to a group, you're just committing to nine weeks. Like, is there any place we can't show up to for nine weeks? I don't think so. So um, we try out groups for nine weeks, and then there is a clear off-ramp. If you'd like to take a season off, great. If you'd like to find a different group, we can look for a different group for you. Or if you want to stick with your current group, then we'll just pop you into the next trimester. So that's group rhythms. Um, lastly, group signups. So you probably have seen a group finder card. And this is maybe... One of the more, I don't know, wonky parts of our system. And honestly, when I put this together, I was really worried about this. So what you have to do is you have to fill out all this information and then give the card to me and trust that you're going to get in a really great group. Like, so, a, like a dating service? Like a dating, yeah, okay. like a dating service. I love dating about. services. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Never tried one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it feels like a dating service, but here's the reason why, you guys. So before this, we offered a menu, which this is what many churches do, and then you could kind of choose what group you wanted. That sounds really great, but what we were discovering is that the groups weren't sticky. So you might find a group that you feel like might be a good fit, 
but depending on who else signed up or the dynamics that we can't even put together in a group description, it doesn't feel right when you show up. So um, people were not sticking with their group from trimester to trimester, which is obviously not what we desire. So uh, when we put the group finder system in place where I give you a couple options and you choose the group that you'd like, um, about 90% of people that had signed up in a group stuck with their group for the next trimester. What was it, I remember you told me before, but what was it that they were sticking before? How many were sticking prior to the group finder? Oh, shoot. It was maybe um, 40%, 40-50%, somewhere in there. So we were able to uh, kind of switch that up and found some great success in so that. So in other words, you're really good at what you do. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, Jake, but... <laughs> um, Anyhow, um, Sorry, last I threw you way off. To <laughs> you <that>. totally did. <laughs> um, so that is the group finder process, and also Jake mentioned it before, but that the the groups became more sticky, <coughs> and more of you are in a group now than show up on a Sunday, which is a huge win for groups. That's kind of unheard of in the church world. So we feel like the direction we're going is in a positive direction. Um, to kind of close things up, I wanted to share a little bit of a story with you. So this next testimony is from somebody who's in one of our groups. She's actually in Wednesday morning Bible study, meets here at Arbor. Let me know if you want information on that. Um, anyhow, this is what she said. In September of 2019, I was invited to a Bible study group who was meeting at Arbor on Wednesday mornings by my dear friend. Over the previous 18 months, God revealed himself to me and my children for the first time through my friend's kind and loyal influence in our lives. As for actually studying the Bible, I was hesitant. I committed to going to the Bible study and just being a part of the group. I did that at first. I soon realized it was easy for me to believe in God when life was easy and going well. But when life was hard and I was suffering, I always felt that God had rejected me and left me alone to leave me in my misery. My faith wavered depending on how life was going. I so desired God to be my anchor. I desperately needed this relationship and belief in Jesus. After the fall Bible study group and reading so many verses about God's plan versus my plan for myself— and how to trust in him and surrender worry to him in the face of adversity, I feel like I'm finally getting there. Jesus knew trusting in the unseen was hard for me and that I needed more. This is why he is using people to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to show me and reassure me that he is always here and we are always loved. I am grateful for Arbor for inspiring me to actually open my Bible and read scripture. My time in... This group taught me that if I want to talk to God, I pray. If I want to hear God talk to me, I read scripture. I'm thankful for all of you who are walking my path with me towards Jesus. Um, the cool part of that is she is part of the group, and she's a very new believer. So this is um, just first few months of her really knowing and understanding who Jesus is. So we love that people are able to not only join in community, but able to grow in their faith. Yeah. Anna, thank you. Would you guys yeah. thank Anna for me? <laughs> so 
Right now, groups are actually in session. We met last week for our small group, uh, started off this last week. And so what we decided to do for this time is if you're new or you didn't jump into a group, um, here's what we thought. We thought what we'd give a chance is a little mini group. We have uh, group signups actually happening just today and today only. If you want to connect with Anna out at the connection wall, that's right there where the window's at, or the window, the, the, um, we only have like one window right there. There we go. Uh, no, the TV, where are the TVs at? That's where you would go connect with Anna if you're interested in a group. Um, if, you, if, you're, if you're not sure, here's what I tell you. Just give it a try. Seriously. I'm an introvert by nature, by preference. I'm an introvert. It's difficult. I get that it's uncomfortable to go into a group. It's the most difficult thing for church leaders to move people from a place where you're in rows, where you're anonymous, to go visit somebody else's house that you've never met. I get it. It's hard. But I can tell you this, personally from experience and from what I've heard from so many others, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you find true connection. I love my group. I love going to there on Thursday nights. It's so good. They're not only um, fellow brothers and believers um, and sisters. They're now become very dear friends of mine. And, and I trust them so much. I'm so glad they're in my life. It is the way, one of the core ways in which we make disciples around here. So if you've never thought about giving a group a try or you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I have time for that. This is big. It's important, so I would suggest giving it a go. All right, third way, and then we'll close out with this. Third way that we go about um, making disciples together is through outreach. This is the foliage, the fruit of the ministry. Third way, helping the hurting together. That's it right there, helping the hurting together. Paul said this. He said, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we, there's a purpose, so that we can comfort others. When they are in trouble or when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. When Magnolia passed away, my daughter there's a couple things that changed in our life. One of them was our perspective on heaven. We had a whole new hope in heaven and we thought about it a lot. We still think about it a lot. The other thing that changed in a significant way in our lives was this, is that it, that situation opened our eyes to people in pain. Our perspective on pain changed. Maybe because we had our head in the ground and we never experienced great pain prior. Once we did, we realized, oh my goodness, there are so many people in pain. And what it did is it moved in our hearts enough to start this church and to make helping the hurting a priority around here. And so let me tell you a little bit of ways how we've gone about doing that here. These are things we will be continuing when it comes to outreach. The first one is Celebrate Recovery. This is a beautiful ministry that just passed its first year marker, um, its birthday on Monday. It is a place for anybody who has hurts and hangups and habits. It pretty much includes all of us. Here's what I love about it. Those at Celebrate Recovery truly recognize what the grace of Jesus Christ is in their life. Like the woman who was in the house of Simon and she falls at Jesus' feet, she recognized what God had brought her out of. I think that the guys and the gals at Celebrate Recovery get this to their core. 
If you go there, if you talk to them, if you have a connection and you watch them worship, you can see it in their worship. Ah, truly, this is how we should be worshiping as a church, out of full, raw gratification for what God has done for us. Second thing is this, is you see it in the way that they speak and the way they talk and the way they share and care for people. You see it in how they hold their eyes. It is a raw appreciation of what Jesus has done in their life. It's truly amazing. It happens on Monday nights. Second thing we'll continue doing when it comes to outreach is Wednesday nights, grief share. Grief share is huge. This is dear to my heart for obvious reasons. This is for those who have experienced great loss, like the loss of a husband or a wife or a child or a parent or a sibling or a grandkid. This is an opportunity for them to get together and to receive care and support from people who are and have gone through such difficult circumstances and such difficult loss. It teaches and gives them wisdom on how to manage the grief that they're walking through. Uh, Best of all is that Jesus is centric in it because you can't have true healing from the loss of someone without the grace of Jesus Christ and, and his healing and his peace. And so as a church, we are so familiar with grief and this program is essential. We have a tendency, friends, I don't know if you know this, but to draw people who are really hurting or have experienced great loss And what I love is that we are drawn towards those people as well. And so this is essential and we'll stick around when it comes to our outreach. Second thing that we're doing, uh, or third thing that we're doing when it comes to outreach and continuing to do is supporting missionaries. Right now there's a couple missionaries that we're currently supporting. Here's a picture of one of the families. I won't share their names simply because where they are serving in China, Christianity is still illegal. And so the government has really been cracking down on them in this past year. And some of their friends, not them, but some of their friends and their ministry partners have actually been imprisoned and actually deported, which is very difficult. And so about a month ago, Garrett and I got a chance to connect with them and to hear about how they were doing. That was so encouraging. Uh, And then, you don't know this, this is amazing. They have a large family, seven people in their family. They, They found a friend. And uh, they came here for Christmas Eve services, but they didn't sit in this room. They came and they served all eight of them in the children's ministry so that they could give our regular volunteers a break on that special night. That is amazing. They are courageous um, and they are reaching people for Christ in the underground church in China. Uh, When it comes to the coronavirus, it broke out um, when they were serving in Cambodia so they missed it. And right now, they're not entering back into the country uh, until this thing subsides a little bit. So right now, they're not in China, but they're hoping to get back there um, soon. Uh, Another uh, couple that we support when it comes to missionary are the Kowalskis. You might recognize Wally as the professor who comes that I would ask difficult theological questions to on a Sunday morning. He's been out a couple times. He was a professor at Northwest University for 28 years, a professor of theology. He is truly one of the smartest men that I've ever met in my life. And what's amazing is that his wife, Rosemary, is even smarter than him. It's amazing. They have been serving 
in Indonesia on the island of Java, uh, Java, teaching English and Bible to university students. Their son, Tim, actually attends here at the church. Him and his wife, Melissa, and their four kids have actually been here almost since the very beginning when we started this thing, and they've been supporting and serving in kids' ministry, and they're doing awesome. But the Kowalskis um, and has been as a, one of the missionaries that we serve, and we're going to continue to support them. Here's what's expanding when it comes to outreach. The care team. Some of you know that we have a care team. What is the care team? This is what it is. It is a ministry within our church that focuses on meeting some of the needs inside of our church. When someone's having a hard time, difficult time, not able to make ends meet. This is for low-income families, single moms, those who are sick, recovering, foster kids, um, widows, orphans. We send flowers, we help pay rent, those kind of things. We help those who are inside of our church. It's one of the things that the Bible asks us to do. We want to love them outlandishly. We want to love them lavishly. And so what I thought I'd do is rather than hear that just from me, I thought I would invite, now, yeah, and come on up, Shauna, this is great. Shauna will come up. But the hard part about this is when we do this and we care for people, they're a part of our church. And so not very often do we get to share the stories from the front because it's personal. But Shauna has agreed to share her story. So thank you very much. Would you guys welcome her as she shares? Thank you. <laughs> I am a single mom to four kids. One of those is Cody. He's 15. He often sits in the back with me. He's in a wheelchair. Cody has a terminal illness, and his life is crazy with seizures and breathing emergencies. We spend a lot of time in the hospital, and it's hard not to feel isolated and a bit alone, but this church has not let that happen. My first experience with the care team was when I got a message that said, do you have a house cleaning service? And I said back, why, yes, I do. Her name is Shauna Graves. She's fantastic. I am Shauna Graves. <laughs> she wrote back, we think it's time that Arbor love you, not just in word, but in deed. And the next thing I knew, a lovely lady was in my house cleaning my disgusting bathrooms. And I may have done a happy dance. I may have kissed our counters and floors because I have a 12-year-old son. So you can imagine how bad those bathrooms actually were. Then at Christmas, a very tall Arbor member showed up at our front door and delivered us the perfect Christmas tree. Someone must have noticed I drive a wheelchair van, and I could never get a tree in our house because of that. And so Cody got to fall asleep that night in his seizure bed under the glow of twinkling Christmas tree lights and the smell of fresh pine. I texted the care team that night, stop blessing us, I can't take it anymore. It was overwhelming. About a week later, Pastor Brian delivered Christmas gifts and treats to our house. My middle schooler, Casey, said, Mom, why is Arbor delivering us gifts? And I said, well, I think they just see that this is a hard time, and they want to bless us. Casey said, it feels so good to be seen and known. Days later, a group of Christmas elves arrived, and they sat with us and asked us how we're really doing, and they really listened. And they wouldn't leave before fervently praying for Cody. 
They left behind for him a warm, fuzzy blanket. They gave my daughters Barbie dolls. They gave Casey a Lego. And they gave me this necklace, which I treasure. It was on this little card that says, Brave Heart, you are seen, you are loved, you are not alone. And it didn't stop there. The care team somehow found out that Cody couldn't get in his beloved Make-A-Wish hot tub anymore. He has just grown too big and too weak. So we needed a platform built so that the hot tub lift could sit on it. And a fellow named Russ, a retired grandpa from this church, showed up for weeks with his electric saw, and he built Cody's hot tub platform. And now Cody can get in that hot tub, and he has not stopped floating and smiling ever since. My kids have learned a profound lesson from these saints coming and going from our lives. They have learned that this is body life. This is the church bearing our burdens with us. And we will never, ever forget this season where God just showed up in the form of Christmas elves and a bathroom cleaner and a retired grandpa with a power saw. Thank you, Sean. I love that. I, what I love most about that story is I had no idea most of it was happening. And that's our church taking care of situations and those who are in need of care. And so I love that. It's, I think it's one of the things that our church is doing well is the care team, that we're really caring for people who need to be cared for. And so here's what we're doing. Here's how this is actually expanding. We want to pour gas on what's working to fan that flame. And so what we're going to do is we're going to expand the care team from an inward focused on the people of Arbor to an outward. We're going to go out and try to find people in the community and care for them in that manner. We're going to do this on a regular basis. We're not just going to do it. We are going to put finances into this. We are going to leverage this with um, the blessings that God has given us, and we're going to allow the different people of Arbor to go about doing it. We're coming up with the plan of how do we find that people are in need, and then we're going to put together teams that can go about and reach those needs that are out there. Friends, I am so excited for this. The way this came about a little while ago is we heard someone needed a roof on their house. And they, we decided, well, we could put a roof on their house. And so we put down, we helped pay for that, um, the majority of that roof. And we had people go out and they built it and they put our roof on a house of a total stranger because it was leaking and they, you know, and this family couldn't afford it and the guy uh, was out of work or something. We, I've still never met this family and I love, that. I love that we're doing this for total strangers. I wanna do more and more of this. This is loving outlandishly the way Christ loved us. And so we're going to pour gasoline on this ministry, and we're going to put, take it to the next level. So that will be our care team. The next one is probably the one I'm the most excited to talk about, is because this one from the very beginning has been on my heart, and that is to help those um, who are elderly, those in the, um, the senior living homes. I wanted to do this from the very beginning. I'll explain why. But what's happened is that we kept coming up short on trying to gain access into these different homes. It's actually harder than you would think to get in there and to try to find um, an entrance into community. They, they want to protect those individuals because they're there um, to be cared for, right? And so in January, we gave it another shot. 
we decided to try again. Let's get out there and, and go knock on doors at these homes. And what was amazing is that God opened up multiple doors. Multiple different places were willing to open their doors to us. And, and so we decided that we're going to start with one. We're going to land on this one place called Vineyard Park at Bothell Landing. Vineyard Park at Bothell Landing is a place where you have those who have lived their life and now they're not seeing their children or their grandkids as often as you would think they would. We've been invited to build relationships, simply going in and reading them stories, playing cards with them, putting together puzzles, and just listening to the stories of their life. I think they are the forgotten few. James, the brother of Jesus, he said, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. I think a lot of churches find it easy to go and to look after orphans because you know what? That's the thing to do. We're gonna take care of the kids. And I love that. There are a lot of churches that are doing a great job at that. And I applaud them and I say go on and continue. But what's being overlooked are the widows. Those who have grown up in years and they still are living, they're still breathing, but they have been forgotten and their kids either don't visit them at all or they visit them like once a month. And they need love. They need outlandish love. They've experienced great loss in their life. And we want to come in and we want to we want to help. We want to develop relationships on an ongoing basis. And so we're going to start here. In fact, we're going to start at the end of March with a bingo night. All right? So break out the cards and your daubers and head over with us. We're going to go and we're going to have bingo night. And we're going to intentionally develop relationships with them um, and love them the way that Christ has loved us. And that's going to happen soon. So if you want to sign up for that, Simply all you gotta do is write on your connection card, I'm interested in bingo night, and we will reach out to you and let you know more information. But that'll be right here at the end of March. Friends, thus far, when it comes to this church, we talked about the why. The why is life change. We've talked about the what. It's making disciples together. People helping people find and follow Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. The how is threefold. The how is simple is we want to do it on Sundays where we're encountering Jesus together, experiencing Jesus together. We want to do it in groups where we're growing people together and we want to do it through outreach where we're helping the hurting together. That's our goal. That's the nuts and the bolts. That's the details of what we're trying to do. I want to put us, our, our effort strategically into a few things rather than trying to do a lot of things well. Let's do these things well. I think we can. And in fact, I think in some areas we actually are. And so may God bless us as we continue to try to bless his people and the ones that he loves. Here's some, here's some next steps when it comes to this and then we'll invite the band. In fact, the band, you can go ahead and come on up while I'm talking. Is this next steps is one, is join a group. If you're not a part of a group, Anna will be out there by the TV, not the window, the TV. She'll be over there. And you can talk to her at that place um, about joining what we're calling a mini group for this next period. 
Also, you can engage in outreach. We are doing a lot of things to hopefully serve and tell people about the good news of Christ. And so we would love it if you would engage in outreach. You can write that on your card as well. And then lastly, what we'd ask is that you would come back next week. It is the last one. We've said this from the very beginning that this is a, this is a time where we should be in every, every week. And if you've missed one, go back and listen to them. But next week, we're going to talk about the who. And just to give you a warning, kind of put the blinker on for you, we are going to have a call to commitment. And so what I would ask is that you would come prepared. And by that, I do not mean come prepared to give. We don't want money. What we want is people. The who is people. And just a you know, spoiler, the who is you, <laughs> right? The who is me. The who is all of us. And we're going to talk about how we can specifically get involved, hands-on, serving Jesus and making disciples together. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray.